Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, this is God's word to us this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Patrick Drury, the interim pastor here at Antioch. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, I hope to meet you, Uh, maybe catch you after the service, but it's great to be here today. Lindsay sent a question in. Uh, for me this this week, or actually sent it a week or couple weeks ago, but it's a great question. She said, how can we as individuals and as a church intentionally seek unity rather than uniformity? It's good. So uniformity is like we all wear jeans to church. I, I kind of like that. That's good. Uniformity can be, it can be kind of easy sometimes to have uniformity, but what is unity is the question. Um, And I've thought about this a lot over the years, because I see a lot of times uh, it's easy sometimes for churches to have unity about what we're against. Like we'll identify a thing out there that's really bad, right? So we'll talk about that because we can all be united about what we're against. I'm not really sure that's the best approach. Um, i I think a, a deeper, stronger unity is to, to identify what we're for. I mean, there are things in the world that are, that are evil that we can talk about. No doubt about that. Um, but there's also sin and deception right here. And we need a gospel that doesn't just save the world. I need a gospel that helps me every day. And if we can unite around the gospel and about what Jesus does in our hearts together, I think that's, a, that's where we find unity. Then when we have differences, you know, we might have a difference in culture that we can just embrace those differences. We might have differences in opinion, and we talk about those and gain understanding and show grace 
But our unity comes when we base ourselves on the right things, on the Word of God. Amen? We stand together on the Word of God. We stand together on the gospel of Jesus. Um, And we stand together on the fact that we need the gospel (laughs) right here. Um, we'll, we'll be able to get some momentum by calling out, you know, the evils of the world, but I'm not sure that's where we find hope and answers. We find our hope and answers in Christ. So anyway, I love that question. I think it's a good one. Thank you, Lindsay, uh, for that question. Jesus this morning has some words to us about our devotion to the Lord, about our spiritual discipline of how we walk to him. He said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And then he talks about that and gives different illustrations of that. That's a challenging thing for us. It is so easy for us to to want to live our Christian life in a way that other people see, or, or just kind of like, we like to be affirmed. <laughs> we like to, to get some strokes from people around us, and for that to become a bigger motivation than wanting to please the Lord. And it's tough. I know even within a family, a, um, a husband might want his wife to you know, think well of him as a, as a good person, but am I doing some acts of righteousness for her or for the Lord? Uh, we, we raise our kids to want to honor and obey their parents, but really the ultimate goal is that they would learn to honor and obey the Lord and have their eyes and focus on him. And so we as adults have a great opportunity to, to model that for our, our kids and for ourselves. And let's... Uh, Let's take a dive into this. I want to pray first and ask God to give us wisdom, and then Jesus can talk to us about how this works out in some different areas. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. You've given us this word which is completely true. It never leads us astray. When we follow you and and put your word to work in our lives, it always leads us to greater faith and strength in Christ. Lord, thank you for that. I pray as we take just a look at how we live, how we give ourselves to you, that you would just guide us and help us to do it with hearts that are truly yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus talks to us about our acts of righteousness in three different areas today. He's going to talk to us about our giving. He's going to talk to us about our praying. And he's going to talk to us about our fasting. And, and what it looks like to live out our faith and, and give our devotion and worship the Lord in those areas. He's going to talk about real devotion. And it, it's just another one it, uh, example in this area, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about what happens at the surface level, acknowledges that, and then kind of pulls the conversation down to the level of the heart. What are our motivations and what are our attitudes as we live out our devotion to the Lord? So it's a really, really cool passage in that sense. One of the neat things that he's doing here is he uses this little repetition, this repeating pattern, as he talks about all three of these things. The first thing he'll talk about is first a warning. 
He gives this warning, right? Like if you do the, a thing just for the outward of it, the outward view for other people to see, um, you know, don't do that. Don't just seek the praise of men. Then he, he gives a consequence. If you do, that affirmation from people is all you'll get. <laughs> There's no spiritual benefit. And then the third thing he gives is an instruction about, you know, doing our, our acts of righteousness in secret because the promise, God sees in secret. And he rewards us uh, for what we do in secret before him. So it's a great reminder, just as we live out our faith, that God is looking a little deeper than sometimes we see or we look. He's looking at the attitudes of the heart. The first area that he talks about is giving to the needy. And he gives it in that pattern. So I, I go ahead and included the pattern with the text as we take a look at it. First is the warning. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. And he gives the consequence. I tell you the truth that they have received their reward in full. The instruction is, but when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And then the promise. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying that all the good things that we do, he's not, he's not necessarily saying they all must be done just in private. If we take it out of context, we'll be, mis, we'll be misguided a little bit to think, the only thing I can do that's good before God is in private. If I do something in public, I just ruined it. But I want to call you to remember that just prior to that, in the same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, let your good deeds shine before men. He's like, you've got a light to shine. Put that city on a hill. Right? Don't hide your, your, your light under a basket. Put it up on a lampstand so that people might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So he gives us this calling to do good works, do them in a way that can be seen, but it's the heart, so that they would glorify our Father in heaven, rather than just glorify me. I can do good works in a way that people pat me on the back. And Jesus is like, that's the difference. The difference is, who are you doing this for? What's your motivation? What are you hoping for in return? Who's going to get the credit or the glory? Does it go to God or does it go to you? That's the key difference. It's all about our motives. Um, I have a picture to slip up there. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. This person became famous for, or is it infamous when you become famous for something bad? Right? She showed up, this was somewhere in California, to help with uh, relief by boarding up some windows. But what she didn't plan on is other people were taking pictures of her and her friends. The, the reality is she showed up, they took pictures, and she left. I don't even think she had any screws with her. Uh, so that she could boost her, her Instagram 
pictures of how, you know, how helpful she is to people. That was all she did, just take the pictures. There wasn't anything else going on, right? So you can take that picture off. But I thought, you know, that's just such a great picture of how we can do, you know, when we show up for the credit for doing the thing, and it's not really about the actual service that we're doing or God getting glory for it, you know, we become like the poster child of this over here. And I thought, you know, if Jesus were here today teaching on the same thing, the Sermon on the Mount, he might give it a different context and say, when you give to the needy, do not post about it on social media as the hypocrites do to be honored by other people. But I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. How easy it for, is it for us? Maybe we don't quite post on social media, but to have the mindset of just thinking, I just want people to think really well of me and allow that to creep in and become our motivation. And Jesus has given us just this great reminder that our giving, our praying, our fasting is for God and not for us. Before I talk about praying, while we're talking about giving, I just want to make one, one comment here yet too, because uh, we encourage you to give to Antioch Church. Uh, you can give to the general fund, which is incredibly helpful. Um, you can also give to the community needs fund, which helps with grocery ministry and helps with other needs that come up in the community. We encourage that, but I just want to remind you, if you give, like I never see that, we have system in place where that, that giving is taken care of by some finance people, um, but that giving is completely in private, partly designed for that reason, so that we can give. We don't put someone's name on a plaque, you know, hey, this was donated by. Uh, we, want, we just want our giving to be genuine and sincere, uh, and for us to be able to function that way together as a team and see what God would do through us. So, Give, it's important. Support this church and, and the mission of this church. Um, but that's, in a way, between you and God as you do that. Um, but I just want to encourage that, though, uh, so you, have, you understand how that works. So giving, Jesus also talks about the same pattern in terms of how we pray. He gives a warning first, starting in verse 5. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. The consequence, I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. And he gives some instruction. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for the, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He's, he's really kind of giving us three instructions about prayer in here. Praying, he's warning us against praying to be seen by other people. Uh, he's warning us against this kind of useless repetition 
And he's warning us against praying selfishly, um, praying for our own needs. Praying to be seen um, by other people, it's kind of interesting because I think, well, that's not most of our problem. Most of us don't want to pray in front of anybody. I wish I had a dollar every time somebody said, Pastor, don't ever ask me to pray in front of other people. I'm terrified. You know, the, the New Testament has, I mean, it, praying together, praying together at a family meal, praying together as church family, that's, that's our normal, healthy thing that we do. We just do it not to be the one that says, like, I can pray better than you. You know, that just gets silly. And, and we have our reward when we do that. He also warns against this kind of useless babbling or repeating. You know, pray this prayer 10 times and then pray this one 20 times. And you'll really, you know, then you're really on target. I, I, I didn't grow up with that. To me, that feels like back in school when the teacher would say, pull out a piece of paper and write, I will not throw spitballs in class 100 times. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is so dumb. I guess I won't throw spitballs anymore. You know, he's reminding us. We don't need to just do something by repetition. God sees us. God knows what we need even before we ask us. I don't know about you, but just the idea, in the Old Testament, the Lord is called El Roy, God who sees. That is so meaningful to me. That when we have this need that we just want to keep crying out to the Lord over, I mean, do it. He hears us, but he already sees. He already knows that need and that cry of your heart, even before you mention it. I mean, that's, that's comforting to me. And yet, even though he already knows it, he still longs to hear from us and wants to talk to us about that. If you remember last week, we pulled out, the Lord's Prayer is right here in this section, and we pulled out and looked at that separately last week, because it merits its own conversation. But in that, I don't know about you, but I learned like not to pray, just pray selfishly. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded that when I go to the Lord in prayer, I'm praying to my, my Father who is in heaven, who is holy and I pray for his will and his kingdom to, to be done. It's, it's, I'm praying about God and his values and what's important to him and that that would be real here. And then when I've rightly aligned myself with God, I, I mention my needs and I, I bring my petitions before the Lord. It's such a, such a good reframing and reminding me about what prayer is. It's not what I kind of want to make it as is. I'm going to barge into God's presence and tell him all the things I want to happen. How I want the world to go. <laughs> it's a reminder that, that the Lord is God. And I get to talk to him about what's important to me. But I get to learn what's important to him as I do. So when Jesus gives this, this call to pray in secret... Again, I don't think it means we never pray in public. The, the Lord's Prayer is in the plural. It's something we do together. We pray together. We pray when we assemble. There's a lot of examples in the Bible. To me, I think what I see is we should be praying in private before we're praying in public. 
Like if we pray together um, it, as a church family, that should be something that's just an outgrowth of all the praying we're doing in, in private in the time of the Lord. If you, if you lead your family in a prayer of thanks before you eat dinner, that's a great thing to do. But instead of just doing that, be sure that you're praying before the Lord in private, that you're growing your prayer life with him, and then you're finding ways for your family to experience that with you. Don't let that be the only praying that you do. But let God, let God build that relationship with you in private, and then it can flow out and be an outgrowth into the rest of us. God sees what we say and do. God knows our needs before we ask. He values our humility when we pray. And then he gives a third example of, uh, of our stewardship, our discipline before him. This one's a little bit convicting to me in a different way, because look at the first few words of it. <laughs> when you fast, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a problem, because <laughs> I got to tell you what, I don't, I don't fast very often at all. It's, it's not a discipline that's well-formed in me. It's something that I might think, well, if I really need something or I really need to get over the hump on something, you know, then maybe I'll fast a little bit. But when the way he said it right there is convicting when you fast, just like when you pray, when you give. And, and just even preparing for this, I thought I need to rethink this honestly in my own life. Anyway, let's, let's read what he's had to say. When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Or another way to say it would be, when you fast, take a shower Comb your hair, put on some clean clothes, so that it won't be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Have you ever seen uh, people go on a hunger strike? It doesn't come up very often. There was a prison, or a prison somewhere not a few, several years ago. The prisoners went on hunger. Like, we're not going to eat until you change these conditions for us. And you'll, it'll be, you'll have to be accountable if we all die of starvation. Or sometimes uh, people will, will gather outside of where they work and say, the, the conditions need to change. We're going to fast and we're not going to eat. And no one cares when they start a hunger fast. A big deal. But after a while, people start to pay attention, like, oh, you must really mean that because you're actually going without food. And they use that to leverage. I think that's what the Pharisees were kind of doing. Like, if I can leverage, you know, my position before people by fasting, if I can look like this is a bigger deal. And sometimes I've noticed when I incorporate fasting, I feel like I'm trying to just leverage God. Like, like, if I pray about a need or a decision, that's one thing. 
But boy, if I pray and fast, it's like, that's like prayer on steroids. It's more influential to God. Surely he's going to listen because I'm going without food over here. That must mean something to him. And I think, honestly, I was maybe missing the point just a little bit on what fasting is. Uh, when, when I think about what fasting is before the Lord, um, I think about it, it's when, I, when you fast, and I don't mean missing lunch necessarily. Um, fasting usually implies a longer period of time of really actually not eating until we feel the hunger in our gut, which is painful. And we, we decide in a physical way, I'm going to choose to experience a pain in my gut from being hungry and connect it to, in my spiritual life, an ache or a pain that I'm experiencing there. Like the word compassion means from the gut. It's something that we feel deeply, and I'm going to link my physical feeling of that with what I'm feeling in my spirit, in my soul. Um, and there can be different reasons why we might be feeling some, something painful or difficult in our soul that we also connect our whole being with that by fasting as well. It's like I'm going to experience this pain and I'm just going to sit with it. Not rush to satisfy it or alleviate it, but I'm going to sit with it for a while. When I look in the Old Testament, there was this uh, Esther, the book of Esther chapter 4, there was a, the, the people of Israel were displaced, living under a pagan king. And that pagan king signed a bill that basically we're going to exterminate all the Jews. Right? This genocide was coming. And so they were in their spirit. They were, they were fearful. They were sad. They were aching. So they all called a fast. So that their whole person would experience this, this ache before the Lord. There's another time in Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah is a cool book, by the way, if you haven't read it lately. Nehemiah chapter 9, the, the people are, are coming back to Israel. They found some Bible. They found a Bible in the temple. They hadn't read it for a long time. So they're reading this Bible every morning for several hours. And as the people are being saturated with the word of God, they start to realize we're not living this. We think we're followers of God, but we're not following that. And they begin, to, they begin to grieve. And they begin to, it's this sorrow of repentance that they're feeling in their spirit. And they call a fast to say, we need to feel this in our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. And give that to the Lord as our act of repentance. And there's one other, one other time in the Old Testament that I'm going to leave us with today in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to read a little bit about this time. The people there were fasting, but they were doing it, they were, they were doing it in a shallow way. They weren't getting to the heart. 
And God addresses that with his people. And I think it's like what Jesus is doing with us here. They were fasting for what they wanted, but they weren't fasting about what God wanted. And so it says in Isaiah 58, starting in verse 3, the people are saying this, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? They're mad at God because they, they did a little fasting. God's not doing what they want. And God answers them. He says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. For this is the kind of fast I have chosen. Only, or or is, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day? Acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Fasting, which I need to, to, to grow in that area, is a whole expression. It's, it's taking our whole person before the Lord to, to submit to his heart, his desire, his will. It, it's in a, the simplest way, a way of saying, God, you're more important to me than food. I don't just want to say it. I'm going to demonstrate it. By giving myself to you, while I feel the ache in my heart, for the sin in my own heart, for the, the pain in the world. It's, it's a coupling of hungering and thirsting for righteousness with actual hunger and thirst so that I can feel that, that Jesus calls a beatitude, I can feel it in my whole person. And Jesus calls us today to give, to pray, and to fast from the heart. For him, for his glory. And as we do, that's when our light really starts to shine. People will see it, but they'll see it and glorify our Father in heaven. And now we're walking with Jesus. Would you pray together with me today? Father, thank you for this instruction. Thank you, Lord, for 
just reminding us, we need these reminders of what it really means to give ourselves to you. Not just in the cultural Christian way, but really devoting our hearts to you. That's what we want to do, Lord. That's what we want to do individually and as a church. So keep teaching us, Lord. Keep showing us and help us to yield to you, to give you everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.